Good morning. I preached my uh, last sermon two Sundays ago uh, at Clayton and Dottie's farm. And here I am along the uh, Mill Creek, the mill stream that flows from here through County Park into the Conestoga River. And my hope is that uh, this creative dislocation and uh, a little bit of bird song along the way might help us to hear and to see some new things in God's word today. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus begins his ministry with an amazingly simple nine-word message. Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. But unlike other kingdoms, God's kingdom does not come by conquering with an army or violence or domination. Instead, it advances with love and forgiveness and by setting people free. It advances by inviting and troubling and enticing and luring and awakening us into new ways of seeing and then new ways of living. We have to see the kingdom before we can live the kingdom. So what does Jesus do? <laughs> Give us all the answers? Hand us a to-do list? No way. No way, thank goodness. Instead, he describes God's kingdom with a series of playful and sometimes even confounding word pictures called parables. You see, Jesus wants to draw us into an interactive relationship with God that sparks our imagination, requires our personal investment, and launches us on a journey in life that never, ever ends. You see, Jesus wants to create humble, curious, and persistent seekers, not settled souls with all the answers, but disciples, apprentices in kingdom living. And today, Jesus shares with us four of his wonderful word pictures. So let us pray now for the Holy Spirit's help as we explore these parables together. Oh, dear God, in this troubled world, in these troubled times, and into our troubled hearts, we invite your Holy Spirit to come help us to see the reality of your kingdom, of your reign here on earth. Stir our hearts 
fire our emotions and fuel, fuel our imaginations with glimpses, vision of your kingdom so that we may then join your insurgency of love wherever we may live, wherever we may work. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Today's beginning, or today's reading begins in verse 31 with Jesus, and I love these words, putting them, putting before them another parable. And then another one. And then another one. All in toll, or all together, five of them. It's like he's a card dealer. Pick a card. Any card. Pick a parable. Any parable. What Jesus is doing here is trying to help us to imagine and visualize kingdom realities that are often hidden and unseen. In our world filled these days with pandemic and divisive polarization, racist exclusion, greed and fear, we first need to be able to see the kingdom in order then to be able to participate in it. So starting in verse 31, Jesus says that God's kingdom begins like a mustard seed. In the lowly, the small, the minuscule, and the inconsequential. But then grows and grows and grows to amazingly unexpected proportions. Mustard seeds, like you and me forgiving someone. Mustard seeds like resisting evil, sharing our resources, or defending the vulnerable. In verse 33, Jesus then says, In the kingdom, God is like a woman who mixes yeast into her batch of flour. Don't you love that? And you know, the Greek here is much edgier. It actually says here that she hides the yeast in the flour. In the ancient world, yeast is often a negative symbol, akin to contamination or a virus or even a pandemic. Jesus is saying, That the kingdom is like a covert insurgency that is plotting goodness, conspiring kindness, subverting exclusion, and waging peace in our world. God's reign, you see, is an often unseen but real force, secretly transforming our world from the inside out. It's a conspiracy of the insignificant, the unassuming, and the imperceptible. Verse 44, 
A third parable, God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field or a pearl of great price that is so precious that we're willing to cash out absolutely everything we have to receive it. And don't be deceived, dear friends, by what this means, or don't miss what this means. Entering the kingdom of God requires each of us to make a radical and decisive choice. We must repent and turn our lives toward God. Your kingdom come, thy kingdom come, means my kingdom go. Finally, in verse 47, God's kingdom is like a dragnet that catches a great abundance of fish. The fisher casts out the net into the water as widely as possible, not worried about catching the wrong kind of fish. Everyone is pulled in, good and bad people, obvious sinners and secret sinners, Jewish insiders and Gentile outsiders. Gather them in, the lost and the forsaken. And a key part of this parable, dear friends, is that we leave all the final sorting out to God. And who knows? Some of the wrong kind of fish may turn out to be the very best catch of all by God's grace. Dear friends, I hope by now the kingdom, the reign of God is beginning to come a little bit more sharply into focus for you and for me. It is a realm that encompasses every part of our personal and our public lives. In our personal lives, it is a realm where we are being liberated, set free from the power of sin and brokenness and addiction. We experience deep healing in our own souls, in our circle of relationships, in our families, and in our marriages. But the kingdom also, in the public square, is a place where we are liberated from unjust social structures of oppression and racism and exclusion. There is deep social societal healing, the healing that our society needs right now so urgently. And sadly, Christians tend to emphasize either the kingdom in the private sphere or the public sphere. Even pastors do this. But a faithful proclamation of the gospel talks about the kingdom in both of these spheres at the same time.
In short, dear friends, the kingdom of God is a realm without borders that is present wherever folks are living prayerfully, gratefully, generously, and caring for creation. It is present wherever the poor are receiving what they need, wherever evil is being overcome with good, and wherever life is lived in communion and relationship with God our Creator. As it says in Romans 4, 14, 19, so beautifully, the kingdom of God is a realm of justice and peace and joy, joy in the Holy Spirit. But you know, sadly, in our day, Hearing the word kingdom doesn't exactly stir hearts and fire imaginations like it did 2,000 years ago. In fact, many people will hear this language of the kingdom of God and will find themselves thinking about systems of domination, patriarchy, and racial supremacy instead. That's the only kind of kingdoms we know in this world. And so we have to wonder, here in 2020, if Jesus were talking about the reign of God, would he even mention the kingdom of God? Without a, a, a doubt, he would certainly talk about the reign of God, but might he choose, might he choose some new word pictures more suitable for our times? For example, might he talk about the world wide web of God to which we are all connected, plugged in, and where divine Wi-Fi is available everywhere? Or might he talk about the beloved community as Martin Luther King and John Lewis, may God rest his soul, as those civil rights leaders have been doing ever since their movement began, the beloved community. Or might Jesus talk about the kingdom of God, the family of God, where everyone is invited to find their place of belonging and to discover who they really are in God. Or might, might he preach about the insurgency of God so that we'd all start actively resisting and undermining the violence and greed and racism around us? Or might he playfully invite us to join the dance of God, joyfully following his dance steps and swaying gracefully to the rhythm of God's love? Friends, if one of these word pictures helps you to seek 
first the kingdom of God, then for heaven's sake, use it, run with it, and even dance with it. Amen.